Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I am your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm also the daughter of a mother who lived with dementia for 30 years. Alzheimer's Speaks was created to raise all voices around the world, large and small. I truly don't believe that we can make sustainable change unless we are in, in, eh, unless we are inclusive. Here I go stumbling over my words already today. Um, for those of you that are new, um, you will hear on our show, again, a little bit of everything. But today today is a really special time. We're going to be talking with Mods Awards for Dementia Care and Innovation. And I am so excited because this is an area that really needs a lot of support. Um, so many people are volunteering their, their time and putting in their, their money um, their creative ideas and collaborating, and it's just so nice when people get awarded for the work that they're doing, and there is a lot of great work going on in the dementia field. I also want to um, just do a couple of shout-outs. One, I, if you liked our opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, and you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. Mark and his band were so kind to allow us to use that music here, and I, I really appreciate that very much. It's so uplifting. I also want to give a shout-out to Artist Senior Living in Wilmette, Illinois. Um, next week on March 23rd at uh, on Tuesday from 5.30 to 6.30 Central Time, I'm going to be doing a presentation for them. It'll be virtual so anybody anywhere can attend, and it's called Caregiver Survival Camp. And you can call them to register at 224 224- 408-3152. That's 224-408-3152. And of course, I need to do a couple other shout outs. One is to the Dementia Map. If you haven't visited DementiaMap.com, you're going to want to do that. It's a growing global resource directory uh, that Dave Weedrick, uh, the founder of the Memory Cafe directory, and myself pulled together. Tons of great information out there, and all are welcome. You're not going to be asked for any personal information. We want people to feel comfortable and just connect with those they need. Speaking of the Memory Cafe directory, a great place for engagement. Uh, It is developed for people with dementia and their care partners. There are hundreds of memory cafes throughout the country, but sadly to say, not everybody converted to virtual, but there are probably a hundred and some that have. 
And for most of those, anybody is welcome to join. So go to Memory Cafe directory and then check out uh, Cafe Connect. That's where you will find the virtual ones. I happen to do one on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month called Arthur's um, Memory Cafe. And you are more than welcome to join that. Just reach out to me. And then I want to shout out to Coral Health because they are still stepping up to the plate during this pandemic and allowing people to download two of their music apps, Music First and Coral Faith. Um, again, go to Coral and that's C-O-R-O-Health.com. And we are going to hear from the foot bar walker really quickly, and then we'll be right back with our guests. I can't wait. Introducing the life-changing foot bar walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The foot bar walker revolutionized my care of George. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. The foot bar walker opens and closes just like a standard walker. The only thing that is different is the top bar and the foot bar. Does that ever make a difference? Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The foot bar walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's the thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the footbar walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the footbar walker. Well, we're back and we get to talk about Maud's Awards. And I am so excited to share this information with you today. We have two guests. We have Marilyn Rakel, who began her career in Seattle as an entertainment producer in 1987, and she founded the Seattle International Children's Festival, uh, where she introduced children to the world of culture through performing arts and growing it to become the largest festival in the U.S. What, what an amazing feat. In 2010, Marilyn received her master's in public administration from Harvard. And upon returning to Seattle, she became a care partner for her parents, both of whom were developing Alzheimer's disease. And then in 2015, inspired by her mother's newfound um, artistic ability, she founded the Art of Alzheimer's, which really celebrated the creativity of a person living with any form of dementia and the power of the creative arts to really enhance and empower their lives. So welcome, Marilyn. How are you doing today? I'm fine, and thank you. It's so nice to be here. Well, I am thrilled to have you. I was so excited when I heard about you know, the awards and what all they have to offer. And when I got the the catalog in the mail of, you know, the people that were supported by this. It was just amazing um, how many people you honored. So um, I'm going to introduce your sidekick here today, and then we'll get on with our conversation. So next I want to introduce Reverend Dr. Nicole, uh, now I'm going to kill your name just because I had it written down, Chilleris. And um, Nicole, correct me if I just slaughtered your name. And um, and uh, let me go ahead and introduce you first. Hopefully, I won't wreck anything else. Uh, but I think it's Chilibus. 
Um, she is an ordained Presbyterian uh, minister, and she has worked more than a decade as a board-certified healthcare chaplain. Nicole works as a chaplain, especially in elderly care, and that really led her to her doctoral research project using virtual reality, known as VR, uh, for those of you who don't know what the abbreviations are. Um, and the virtual reality was really to provide shared experiences of beauty, joy, and connection to people living with dementia and their care partners. Most recently, um, Nicole co-founded the um, her company, which is Revelational um, VR, and it's an immersive technology company focused on the dementia community. And she was also the recipient of the 2020 Mods Award for her innovation in dementia care. And all you have to do is take a look at some of the pictures that are scrolling by, and you will see uh, why she won that award just by the smiles on people's faces. So welcome, Nicole. Um, please correct me on the pronunciation of your name in case I did slaughter it there. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. It's so I'm so delighted to be here and to get to join you in Maryland. I, I think the second time you said it perfect. It's Chilibus. Um It's a it's a tough one, and um, yeah, it's just it's wonderful to be here. Great. Well, before I kind of get started on uh, my line of questioning, I always like to ask everybody if they have been touched by dementia, just to give us a, a brief. Um, a, a little brief background. And Nicole, I'm going to go ahead and start with you on that one. Um, did you have anybody in your own family or circle of friends with any form of dementia? Yes, actually, my father had dementia related to Parkinson's. Um, and it, it he was a brilliant man who loved to tell stories. And at the end of his life, we had always had a very cognitive connection. And at the end of his life, um, I found beautiful ways to connect with him in the present moment and, and share sacred moments together, but um, really got me thinking more about what it means to find joy in the present moment with someone we love. Wonderful. Thank you. And Marilyn, how about you? Um, I know in your introduction I had I had mentioned a little bit, but can you give us a, a little more background? Yes, my father, all of my father's uh, six brothers and sisters, my grandmother and my mother all had Alzheimer's. Um, and we were raised, my mother was very specific with us. She said, when your time, when our time comes, walk away. We will not remember you. Do not sacrifice your lives for us. Walk away. And we all believed her. And then... Um, mom began to paint and I very quickly realized oh I see she's definitely still here and that began my journey as a true care partner with mom and um, it changed my life it made me a much nicer person and it led me to Mods Awards. Oh I love that I I had really the same experience too. Um, not so much about, you know, being set up to walk away, but I had uh, family members that had it too and was just told this is what happens when you get old. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing you can really do. And those words just haunted me. 
And and my mom, you know, lived with it for 30 years. And until the very end, she was still connected. It, but it just turned into a spiritual level of communication, one I didn't even knew existed. It just kept getting deeper and deeper. It was pretty fascinating. Did you experience that as well with your with your mother? Oh, I like to refer to her as distilled to her essence. Mm. I I felt that who she was essentially was intact. And my father had a very difficult time. He was very angry, but I think it's because we didn't know how to to engage with him. And with what I learned from mother, I know so much more. Um, and that mother lived for six, 14 years with Alzheimer's, and she was, in her words, just delightful. She found joy in everything. She mm-hmm. basically taught me how to live. Oh, sweet, sweet. What a wonderful, wonderful story. Um, Why don't we talk about uh, what started Maud's Awards? You know, what what happened? Yeah. Well, Richard Ferry and Maud Ferry are this fabulous couple. Um, He would say, and I think rightly, that they have lived the American dream. Um, He was the co-founder of Corn Ferry International, and she was his silent partner, his goodwill ambassador, uh, the mother of six children, grandmother of 12, great-grandmother, I think it's four now. And in 2013, she was diagnosed with dementia. And he then turned all of his attention into finding ways he could bring joy and comfort to his life. Uh, He couldn't find all the answers he was looking for, so he decided to start Mods Awards, which is to energize the larger Alzheimer's community to discover and celebrate and share innovative practices of care. And so he uh, announced the awards. We're giving uh, three $25,000 awards every year to organizations and five $5,000 awards to individuals in four categories of care. And these are for achievements, um, not a grant, and there are no strings. Um, and his goal is to not only help Maud, uh, but to help live better, more engaged, happier lives. Oh, that is fantastic. And, it, you know, it's so unusual because everyone's used to grants and, and uh, you know, we're going to do this to develop. But you are actually out there saying, Thank you for the work that you've accomplished already. And I think that will be so appreciated by so many. Um, Was this, you know, award in the making for some time prior? I mean, I can't imagine the amount of work that goes into even just structuring something like this. I think it had been his mind for a long time. Um, In March of 2019, he sent me an email saying, I have this idea. What do you think of it? And I wrote back and I said, I think it's fabulous. And that was in March. And in the fall, we had an advisory board and we had put together the basic plan and we announced the first awards in March of 2020. Um, and so it came together very quickly just because we had this happy, happy confluence of people uh, all of whom cared very deeply about this issue, had a lot of knowledge, and it was all spearheaded by Richard. Wow. That's uh, that yeah. is unbelievable. What a what a fantastic man to see the need and then And we got 80 applications up. our first year. Um and so the book that we actually produced is 
information about the eight winners plus uh, 60 other um, ideas and programs that came our way. So the idea is really we want to share this with as many people as possible. Well, and I think that is wonderful. You know, I, uh, that's really why I created Alzheimer's Speaks was to connect people to services, products, and tools because there isn't a good way to find all that stuff. And, you know, the best way and I think the most basic way is really word of mouth of us lifting mm-hmm. one another up. Um, it's just such a beautiful, beautiful mode um, to be able to do that. So um, thank you so much for, for being part of this and, and taking time to share this with us today. I, I know that, you know, one of the concepts is is innovation, um, kind of the mm-hmm. main focal point. And, and why did you decide to really focus on that? Well, when it when he began looking, he kept looking for, you know, he didn't, back when he started looking, there wasn't a lot out there. Um, we have so much more now, and in Seattle in particular, there were so many people working, and it was all new. So, what is working? Um, bring this to our attention. Um, and so we hit on innovation, some new ideas. Um, and it really is to energize also will there be new ideas in the future? So it's also, you know, not only this, but hoping there will be even more new ideas in the future. Yeah. I love the word just energize because I do think that it it brings hope and excitement and and helps people feel that they have that power of one when they see somebody else step up and do something and go, gosh, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people don't have a set skill set they just see a need and you know they have a desire to make a change and they just step into it and they own it and I think one of the the biggest things that we have to do is again to energize to communicate and then to not um, not beat people up for fear of failure Um, to me I think what motivates me the most is is fear of lack of progress because I don't want another family to go through what my family went through. I think it can be better. I think it should be better. And I think creativity is the key to it all because there isn't, as we know, with dementia, one size fits all with this thing. And there's not a, well, a book. Exactly. And, yeah, there's, and what's no, an innovation ahead. in one part of the, the country or one part of the state or one part of the city isn't an innovation in the other. So it's a huge um, scope of people who are working. And so, it, it's really to try to be as inclusive as possible um, and to give people ideas. And one of the things we wanted to do this year, which we couldn't because of COVID, was that we wanted to have something we were going to call Mods Conference, which mm-hmm. was a way for people to get together to workshop how to actually replicate these ideas and to incorporate them into their lives. And we hope to be able to start this again when we can, we can reach, uh, when we get together in person. Oh, I love I love that concept for a conference. Um, so many times mm-hmm. you you go in and you get little tidbits, but it's sometimes it's not enough to kind of push you along <laughs> and, and right. to really go in there with that with that idea of this is duplicatable, and then to even maybe build a, a support system within who's ever in that group. Mm-hmm. Um, it that's. That stuff's powerful. That stuff is really powerful. I, I want to talk yeah, a little bit ab- ab- 
about the categories too. Um, have the sure. categories changed from last year to this year at all? They haven't really. We th- last year was interesting because it was our first year, so we were sort of feeling our way about. But the the basic um, categories um, have not changed. Uh, the first one is making connections, which is creating meaningful opportunities for people living with dementia and their care partners to connect with the people and the world around them. And this can be creative art, generational programs, all sorts of programs, anything that's connecting people. And we actually got the most applications in that category. Um, Another one is treating by design, which is how to improve living spaces and the mobility of people living with dementia. Um, Cultivating health, which is providing exceptional care or education that supports long-term physical health. And then a really important one, supporting care partners, Um, impactful education, training, or support for care partners. Um, And those are the four categories. Um, I think the only thing we did in treating by design was to add horticulture and gardens. (laughs) But other than that, they haven't really changed. Wonderful. And, you know, it's so nice to hear um, the categories because I think sometimes, you know, for a long time I've been in this space, probably, I don't know, 11, 12 years now. Um, but people, as is, is goofy as it sounds, really weren't um, back then connecting people with dementia. It was support mm-hmm. for the, the care partners, but it really wasn't about raising their voice, which, gosh, they're just loaded with such great information and insight. I, I think that's fantastic. Um, can you tell us, with your first annual winners, you know, those were announced last year, um, fall, I believe it was in October, um, I would imagine there had to be some fun or funny, unique stories that came from the winners and um, how how this award impacted them. Well, one of them is with us today. Um, they're, they're, um, they have all sorts of who is a Vietnamese woman whose mother had Alzheimer's, and she blended. She did a cultural-based program that blended uh, Western uh, care practices with Vietnamese culture. Um, and that was a really fascinating one. Um, uh, there's another movement in Seattle we call Momentia, and it's not an organization. It's actually a movement of organizations that are working to keep people living with dementia active and connected to their community. Um, and what's been, and they have all sorts of programs with all sorts of people. And it's actually expanding across the state. And now they have a partner in British Columbia. Um, but it's interesting how with all of these programs, the coronavirus has impacted everyone because everyone's going to virtual programs, which do not work as well for people who are living with dementia, who cannot connect to the moving cubes uh, on Zoom screen and who are feeling isolated so that all of these programs are sort of waiting to hopefully do in-person um, work again because it makes such a difference. Yeah, it, it really, really does. That's for sure. I'm going to pull Nicole into the conversation here. Um, and, Nicole, I want to ask you, uh, one, about how did you become interested in virtual reality in the dementia care space? 
Yeah. So it's kind of funny because I was doing um, a dissertation and it was really like this epiphany I had one day. I was I was also working as a healthcare chaplain for Elder Place in Seattle. And one day I got this call from a memory care facility to come see one of my people, and I'm going to call her Jane. And she was pulling people's hair. She was really agitated. And I had known her for several years at this point and had watched her progress in her dementia process. And I went to see her, and I knew, because I knew her, that she loved to dance. And So just on the spur of the moment, I had my speaker in my bag. I grabbed it out, and I said, do you want to dance with me? And I put on Dancing Queen by ABBA, and we danced the whole song. And it was just so joyful. The whole mood shifted. And so I got home that night, and my husband is actually the CEO of an ARVR tech company and he this was a couple years ago and he was just showing me the beautiful worlds that they were creating for different people and like more like real estate and training and that kind of stuff and it was just in that moment it was like something just clicked in my brain and I thought what if I could build beautiful worlds in virtual reality for my people and bring joy to them kind of like I did today, because when I graduated from seminary, I never expected that part of my career would involve dancing to ABBA, (laughs) and so anyway, so I had that. I called my um, dissertation chair the next morning, and I said, Dr. Callahan, I want to change everything. I have an idea, and I feel passionate about it, and so that was kind of the, the beginning of all of this. Oh, that's that's fantastic! It's fun. It's just fun to hear how people um, inch into this space and and what happens. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about people's experience with virtual um, reality that you did in your study? Maybe there's a couple of, of stories specific uh, that you could share with us. Yeah. So. So I was able to, in the end, um, do the study, the initial sort of pilot study with Providence Elder Place participants, and um, I took them into this experience called the Blue, which is this just sort of award-winning reef migration scene. So you literally feel like you're swimming, you know, down with a jellyfish, and they were all in swivel chairs, so they could turn and explore different places in the reef while they had the headsets on, the participants. But what I did is I kind of crafted this whole, like, 40 minutes that we had together. In the beginning, I would, and these were all people that were, um, had indications of dementia and had um been tested to be just just kind of below the normal um, on the MOCA scale, which is a scale you know that assesses cognitive um, functioning. So anyway, I put them. I, I started the experience by just asking them about their spirituality, and I loved Lori when you said something about it, it becomes like a spiritual level of communication. I, I wrote that down because I love that so much. But anyway, I asked them like 
what what brought them joy? What brought them connection? When did they feel most connected to God and the transcendent? And then I asked them what brought anxiety. And so I kind of got to know each of the participants. And then I put them in the headset to experience the coral reef for about six or seven or probably about six minutes. And then after, and I was mirroring it on a screen, so I was experiencing it with them. They were in the headset. I was not, but we were both watching it together so we could talk as they watched it. And then after, we talked more about it. But what what happened that really just urged me forward was it was just such a precious you know, 45 minutes, and people were so into it. And I'll just quickly give you a couple of the quotes um, that I have that from that I wrote, you know, from from the experience. One said, "Well, I was just awestruck. How can you not be happy to feel like you are in the middle of such awesomeness?" <laughs> and mm. another one said, "It could be a little like heaven. You know, it was very peaceful. You don't get many times to be that peaceful." And then I'll just say mm. one more because I loved this one so much. It was the very end of our like 45 minutes together, and I asked the per- the participant one more question, and she said, "I don't remember everything we did, but I just know I loved it." Mm. So. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up right there. It, you know, and it, it's it's so apropos too because I think so often as care partners and professionals we think about all the tasks we're doing and we check this list off, but it really, it really, truly comes down to how are we making them feel, you know, yes. and, and are they peaceful? Are they are they comfortable? Are they do they have this sense of joy? And because mm-hmm. those are the things that we remember, those really deep, emotional, great places to be. And and sometimes we miss out on some large opportunities to, to make those connections with people. So thank you for sharing that. I also want to ask you, Nicole, how has Maud's Award influenced your plans for the future? Yeah, you know, I... As you guys were talking in the beginning, I was even thinking more about that. It has tremendously influenced my um, future. And first of all, I think winning the Mods Awards was just such an incredible gift. And it was really encouraging for me to have done this study and then to have Mods Awards just say, yes, we believe in you and, and we want to, you know, acknowledge you. But the other thing that was so important for me is Mods Award has honestly um, connected me to so many people in the dementia community, even you today, Lori, but so many people who are doing such beautiful work. And when I first started this project, I was I was sort of thinking of dementia as this cognitive wilderness and wondering where God's grace was in this. And I would say since winning Maud's award, I have really over and over found where God's grace is in this conversation and in this community. And I can I can truly say Maud's Awards has really pushed me to say, yes, I am going to pursue this, and I am going to see if I can help this reach more people in the way that I did, you know, initially in the study. Wow, that just gave me goosebumps when you were saying that, because I, I so al- align with that. It's 
you know, the um, the power of acknowledgement is huge. You know, and a lot of times yes. we don't know how many people we're affecting or what our reach is because a lot of people don't track that stuff. They're just plugging along trying to make a difference. And then when you get that acknowledgement, it really does, I think, spur you on. And, you know, it's kind of like you're, you're a spark that starts the fire that, that allows other people to believe in themselves as well. And, and that, yes. that is just so wonderful to see and to see people being drawn into making a difference um, for something that's much, much bigger um, than any sole individual. For sure. So, can, first of all, congratulations um, on your work. I think it's absolutely fabulous, um, and I can't wait to see how you continue to progress um, in this in this realm of dementia and just care for our elders as a whole. I, I truly do believe you are giving, you are filling um, filling people's souls uh, on a spiritual level with so much love and joy and engagement, and a lot of times. You know, even individuals out on the street, I know I fell into that same thing, too. I didn't know how empty I was until I got filled back up. And that was just kind of an (laughs) accidental thing. And then you go, wow, I really do need more of this in my life, you know. And so um, kudos, kudos to you. And I would imagine as people watch somebody using virtual reality, I mean, I've tested it in my own home. Um, and it, it just it, it kind of ignites that energy throughout the whole room. Everybody gets excited, even though they can't see what's going on. <laughs> you know, but it, it's just contagious. Do you find that? Yes, yes. I'm so glad you said that because one of the things, I mean, I love the virtual reality and I love the beautiful worlds, but one of the bigger points of the whole thing is just what you said everybody gets excited so the care partners it brings them joy and it brings the family joy and whoever's there I was just in Atlanta with my mom and I was showing her all this stuff and we were just laughing and having so much fun and so it's as much about sort of the beauty and connection while you're doing this sort of unique fun beautiful thing as the actual tool itself i mean the vr is just a tool but it's the relationship and even in my study i mean i couldn't separate out what just had to do with that beautiful 45 minutes we had together and the vr experience i mean it was all of a piece yeah sharing is so beautiful yes it is it is well, and it also it equals out the players because everybody is amazed, and you know if it's a heights thing, they're like, "Whoa, you know with the you know depth and and uh things like that I mean there's so many different facets, or maybe it's the sound and um it's just it's a wonderful thing, but it it puts it equalizes everybody and puts them in this you know imaginary space that feels totally real that your whole body reacts to and you can't um you can't kind of put a damper on it it just it just kind of explodes out of people um anyways that's in my experience when i see them it's like even if they they try to be reserved they can't they just can't because it's so cool (laughs) 
Yes. Yes. And I, I'll just say one more thing, Lori, about Maud's awards. It was so significant for me. It wasn't just the encouragement, although that was huge, but honestly, it allowed my co-founder and I to buy these 360 cameras and we started creating our own content to really, you know, get into it. And we like, we did breathing meditations and I read Psalms on the beach and poetry and we would go to all these beautiful settings because it was the pandemic. And so I was a chaplain at, and, and I, but I couldn't see my people in person very much. And so I was trying, I had them in mind trying to create things for them because I usually did a worship service every week for them. And so we started, started creating all of this really spiritually focused content um, that was also super fun. And, and we were sort of enabled and encouraged and allowed to do that because of this generous gift of Mont's award. Cool. That's, that's fantastic. Marilyn, how does that make you feel when you hear something like that? I'm just beaming. This is just so lovely to hear. It's so nice of you to say that, but I'm just so pleased. This is what, we had hoped to achieve. Um, so, yeah, it makes me feel kind of wonderful. It makes me oh. very happy. Um, and I, I, I actually wanted to say on a, on a completely different level, in terms of the sharing in times of the coronavirus, one of the things that, that Momentia did was they started a virtual scavenger hunt everybody could be involved in and so they would set out okay let's find an animal and even though people couldn't join in large groups they could find pictures together and they mm-hmm. could find they could take photographs and they would post them and so this this anything that builds community um and sharing and and things you can do with each other so difficult now so it's it's just wonderful to hear this, uh, Nicole, and um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, very, very beautiful. Well, and I, I think you know the sh- the sharing. I, I don't know. One of the things I, that that I learned on my journey, and um, Marilyn, you know, let me know if you agree with this or not. But I just found that simplicity was the easiest route to to bring joy. It, things didn't have to be complicated. It, to me, it seemed like there was a lot of stuff out there that got really messy and got really difficult because it was just too complicated and it didn't have to be. And when you can get down to that pure, simple joy of and what really matters in a person's life, um, life got a lot easier in terms of dealing with dementia. I had a friend once who, because I'm fond of saying to people, the first lesson of a care partner is to let go of the woman who used to be and embrace the woman who is with you in the moment. And that's easy to say, and it's easy to accept intellectually, but it's much harder to actually accept emotionally. And so I was talking to a friend recently, and she said, I was visiting my mom, and she's losing her memory, and I cried every day. And I said, mm-hmm. well, first of all, remember, she's 96, so give her give her some space. I said, but is there anything you, she enjoys doing that you can share? Um, and with mom, it was Scrabble. She loved to play Scrabble. Um, and we played all, and you had to ask if the other that didn't matter. She loved to play Scrabble. And so she looked at me, my friend, and she said, well, I sing, 
I said, well, do you like to sing with each other? Would she like to hear you sing? And so we started going. Finally, ended up with sometimes just being there is enough. Maybe a touch, maybe a song, just listening. And I said, you know, living in the moment is really peaceful once you get the hang of it. You just have to let go and hop on for the ride. So I would hop on for the ride. Yeah, and and that is so true. It is that that difficult piece of letting go. But I think what people don't realize is, and I think we're all control freaks to a certain um, stance, Uh but what we don't understand is some of the most beautiful journeys in our lives are detours, places we never would have gone if something didn't happen. And so for me, uh-huh. one, of, one of the things that I learned to ask myself was, what's the lesson? So if I get really frustrated and, you know, I just felt like my head was to the wall and there was no way out, you know, I would just, and sometimes I would have a screaming match with God. I, I didn't always talk to him nicely. He was like, I need <laughs> to know the answer. And and what I found was that so often I was swirling and all the minutiae, I really wasn't looking for the answer, even though I thought I was paddling hard and fast for it. I, I, I wasn't. And then it would just drop in and it was like, oh, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. And and then all that dysfunction and the drama just dissipated and you could get back to that moment of calm or joy. Mm-hmm. And And sometimes I think People don't realize how important calm is, how comfortable Uh that feels and what it does to our body and that we don't always have to be busy. You mentioned just, you know, maybe sitting by your mom. I found sitting by my mom was the safest place in the world because she didn't judge me anymore. I could just Uh be and feel whatever it was that I needed to go through and she just accepted that. And so, you know, to me, that was one of the, huge gift she gave me was to try to be like that for for others to be that safe place where people can be to this day, i will go to assisted living where i have all my new adopted mothers to this day i will go there to relax mm-hmm. real time is so peaceful there are no deadlines there is no hurry there are no regrets just the and every moment is precious. And I just love being with the women. And I give everybody neck massages. It's a thing. When I get there, mm. I always ask permission. I give people neck massages. And this one woman, when I finish, she said, oh, you have such a happy hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, you tuck your wings in a handkerchief when you're not here. And it's just like, <laughs> who wouldn't want to be with these people? These women yeah. are adorable. And so, yeah, I would just go there and then I would leave so refreshed and so calm because I had just been in the moment. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're surrounded by earth angels, you know, with them. And um, mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. You know, I interview people all over the world at all ages and stuff and and stages of life, and one of the common factors of people in that end up getting drawn into kind of the business and advocacy side with this is their realization of how precious all of these individuals are and what a gift mm-hmm. they are and how much they can teach us um, to make the mm-hmm. world a better place. And 
You know, it, it doesn't, it might not sound like much, but when you really sit down and think about that, that that's really powerful stuff that, that, you know, people's eyes are being open to seeing the world very differently than maybe what they were told or taught is in front mm-hmm. of them. And um, gosh, well, listen, Marilyn, I, I want to make sure that we get in all of our all of my questions I had right. lined up for you. So, um, so this year is the second annual um, award uh-huh. application, and that um, that just lit on fire and opened the door March second. And how uh-huh. long is that open for? And who all can apply? Sure, it is open until uh, mid May, May fifteenth. So there's plenty of time. You can go to the website, www.modsawards.org, to download the application. There's information there, um, information on the categories. Um, and anyone can apply. You can be a for-profit, non-profit organization. You can be an individual. That There are no limits on who can apply. Um, we want to hear from anybody and everybody who has programs, products, practices of care that have made a difference in the lives of people living with dementia. And then to share as many of those programs as possible with as many people as possible. Oh, fantastic. And I love that it's open to both for-profit and non-profit and organizations Mm -hmm. and individuals because there truly is a mixture out there and there is a lot of, um, uh, I don't know, kind of tug of war between profit and nonprofit um in mm-hmm. industries in terms of um awarding if it's if it's grants or funding or just how how people are perceived and and I think it's nice to equalize all of that because there's a lot of nonprofits that aren't making squat for money out there <laughs> and yet right. the, non-pro- the nonprofits um you know are are positioned because they most of them have some, you know, more grants and things. And, and everybody utilizes their, I'm not saying one's better than the other. Um, don't get me wrong on that. But there are just so know. many great things that are happening. And, you know, to me, that's just so exciting to be able to share that stuff with the world and, and to give people hope. Um, because as you all know, you don't know what you don't know. And so if someone doesn't mm-hmm. tell you or if it's not easy to find, you're still out of the loop with it all. Yeah. And so Mod's Award is, is really filling a, a huge, huge gap um, on multiple levels, I think. So thank you so much. Um, and also your... the national focus, mm-hmm. so anybody you know, in the country is, is open to apply. Oh, Oh, good, good. I was going to ask you that next. I also wanted to ask, what are your hopes for this year with the awards? Well, you know, I think on one level we just are excited to hear anything, but one of the hopes we have for this year besides that we want a national reach is that there are a lot of programs and really good programs for early stage. But the one thing we realized for the applications we got um, this year is that there are fewer programs for people who are in late stage dementia. And um, 
that that we are really interested in in hearing about programs that have served uh, mid to late stage, um, just because it's it's more difficult um, to engage. And I know this with my mom who was in late stage, um, and and deaf, um, and so it was more difficult for her. Um, but you know, she's loving both, and even at the end. Um, but. Yeah, so I think that we're looking for late stage, and we're looking for that, um, but not specifically. I mean, we're not going to okay. say if it isn't late stage, we can't apply, but we want everything. But I'm really interested in, in hearing more about that. Oh, wonderful. There, um, And I think part of the reason you might be hearing more about um, early onset and in early to mid stages and this is going to sound really, really silly, but it wasn't addressed before. It's really only it's been true. in the last five years, um, because I know when I came into this in, into this realm, one of the conditions I made to myself switching out of real estate here was I, I refused to work in a broken system, and I wanted to do things differently. And the battle I ran up against, what it just it floored me. Because there was a, even pushback about being inclusive with people with dementia. And that has been one of my, you know, I guess most powerful motives was, you know, getting that done. And so we've seen a big shift in that. And so people, I think, have realized it's a, it's a gap that's missing, you know, that was missed. But yet, you know, we have this whole spectrum that we have to fulfill, and that's a, a really good point because I think it's really easy for us to swing the pendulum from one angle to mm-hmm. the other. It's kind of almost like our po- politics, you know, you're either right or you're left. And it's like, well, there is this middle road, too, that has to serve everybody. And and we really need to have, you know, a wider, um, broader view of what the needs are and then making sure that it that it varies. And um, one company I'll just mention that's done that really nicely is, I don't know if you've heard of them, but it's called um, Maria's Place. And it's a, it's a website that has just a host of all different types of activities. But they do videos and they show you how to accommodate different progressions of the disease. Um, oh, that's and wonderful. It, it, it's, it's very cool. Or Nana's Books that just rolled out. I just interviewed um Lorette the other day, Claire, and she has put together, um, they're actually adult books for people with dementia. And, oh, those are uh, so wonderful. I saw those. They're so wonderful. They are. They're absolutely and, wonderful. And they can be utilized from beginning to end, you know, because you can adapt how you do your storytelling or how you engage and and stuff. So, you know, sometimes it's, I think, people talking about what they're doing and being inclusive of the stages of how to adapt. Um, Because I think a lot of times we, you know, when we're doing stuff, we just think everybody else sees what we see. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And they understand that you can utilize it. And it's like, no, we have to slow down. And we really have to tell our own stories of how, how this product service or tool can be used and, and adapted for the various stages and situations. You make such a good point. I mean, and, and talking about early stage, mid stage, late stage, you know, there five years ago, there was so little that we could turn mm-hmm. to and say, try this, try this. And still there is comparatively speaking, so little, there's such yep. a need. Yep. And that even though 
and what I love about Nana's books, and also in Seattle, one of the award winners uh, is was um, Allison Schreier, who has a program called Zinnia TV, which creates um, videos, very calm, beautiful videos that work on the same level of Nana's place. I mean, that books mm. that that there's so much more coming out now, and so even though we're interested in late stage, I mean, the whole the whole. Um, uh, arena is just we need to know so much there's still so much to learn yep and we can learn by sharing i mean that's one of the, mm-hmm. the greatest ways that we can really push ourselves forward is not making the same mistakes over and over um, in terms of trying to get through progress but really collaborating with one another and and asking each other for feedback um, I, I think is just mm-hmm. a, a critical piece in all of this um, and then also, I think what's really important, you know, we've got a lot of dementia-friendly communities, grassroots, and and formal organizations out there, is to really be extremely conscious not to squash creativity, not to think mm-hmm. that it has to be this square little box or a bed in a bag, and this is this is all you need. Um, we all need to build this huge toolkit because we don't know what's going to happen and how things are going to progress or how we're going to react and what resources we're going to have for ourselves. And the worst that's going to happen is we're not going to need something we learned about, but we can share it with someone who may need it. And and that's powerful stuff to not make people feel alone. So, well, I, I am just so grateful that the two of you, were able to take the time to be with us today. Um, Nicole, was there anything else that you wanted to cover that we didn't? Well, I will just say in reference to what you all were just talking about, I just finished doing 25 interviews with adult children of people living with dementia, so care partners. And one of the single most themes that I think every single person said was how alone they felt in this journey and really hungering for not just ways to connect with their loved one, but also ways to connect with others, which is exactly what y'all are talking about. You know, how do we continue to enrich this community so um, so so that the care partners also feel supported and encouraged and included with these innovative and creative ideas? So. That's all. Thank you. Well, you know, on top of that, one thing I'm just going to mention is a a lot of times, you know, we have our support groups for the caregivers, care partners, care companions, carers, whatever you want to call them. Um, and, And that is great. But just like a person with dementia, that's not all they want to be. And so it's important, and, and that was a lesson that was hard for me to learn because I kept pushing my friends away um, because I didn't have time. I was busy taking care of my dad with brain cancer, my mom with dementia, and, and then doing everything else um, that I had on my list. But you need to maintain balance because you can't be a great caregiver or even a good one if you're not happy with yourself and your life. It's just not, you're, mm-hmm. you're just not able to give that same level of care. And so we have to get past this point of thinking that, well, this is selfish, because it's really not. It's helping you build a sound foundation to do better and to be better um, when you're caring for somebody else. And so um, I would just say to, 
to open our eyes in terms of how we support people may or may not be within the dementia arena itself specifically, mm-hmm. but still be very, very important in terms of, of providing balance and allowing people to be and feel um, what they're going through. Um, so, um, Marilyn, how about you? What haven't we covered? We've got about four minutes left, and I just want to make sure that we well, get everything in that we covered. I mean, the one thing that, that you just prompted is that for supporting care partners, you're talking about support for care partners. It was respite and emotional support for care partners, um, which is so important. Um, and that that is a really big um, interest. But then I think everything, it's like we're just interested in hearing from everyone, <laughs> even though I'm mm-hmm. looking at my poor advisory board to to read uh, hundreds and hundreds of applications. But uh, we're just very excited about this next year and what we'll discover and what we can share. Um, and that for everyone who is a care partner to a person living with dementia, uh, there is hope. There are lots and lots of resources and tools that can make your life better, their life better, and we're just incredibly honored to be a part of it. Yes, and we are thrilled that you guys are out there in the world. Uh, I just think this is absolutely a a fabulous idea, and I love that it's not just picking the best of the best, but you're sharing everything that comes in because Mm -hmm. it is important, and and every community, every individual, things are going to align with them differently. And I, I'm a firm believer that we all have the right to choice and to be able to customize how care is going to best meet our own family's needs or our uh-huh. community's needs as a whole, for sure. Now, people are probably going, well, how the heck do we get a hold of them? And so I better make sure that I give out your website here. It's Mods Awards. And both of those are plural, modsawards.org. And then Nicole's website, you can go to www.relationalvr.com. So, again, um, and that's on the, the web page in the blog, wherever you're listening uh, from. But feel free to check them out. And, again, you have until May 15th to get those applications in. But, you know, don't wait till the last minute either because I'm sure this year you are going to get hundreds, if not thousands, of applications. <laughs> um, I've, I've been telling a lot of people, and, and they are so, so very excited about this. Um, so so very excited about this, and um, I would love too. I would love to have you back on the show. You know when when you um, when you pick your your winners there, maybe we could have them all all come on the show with you and talk a little bit about what they're doing. If you're open to that, I would I would love oh, that. That would be great. That'd be wonderful. Wonderful. Well, to our listeners, don't be shy about this show. Click it, like it, share it, pass it on. People need to know about MODS Awards. We need to raise the voice of all. We need to connect people to hope and innovation and creativity, and that's exactly what they're all about. 
Um, if you have any questions for me, you can always reach out to me at Lori at Alzheimer's Speaks um, or go to alzheimerspeaks.com and maybe, just maybe, you can be our next guest. Everyone is welcome. Thanks, everyone. And again, Marilyn and Nicole, thank you so much for your time and your energy. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful conversation today. So thank you. Thank oh, it you. was so great to be here. Thank you, Lori. Take care. Bye now. Bye right. bye everyone. Hi everyone, this is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors from fitness, your health and wellness journeys, how to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform.